I'm your inner dream monologue, and you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen before bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only Miss Gina Gershon. (laughs) As I lose my voice. Welcome. Welcome. We were just talking, you know, you're an LA native, but you're in New York. You've been in New York for many, many years. So it's Mm -hmm. always great when I talk to someone like, you know, that lives in the city that I love so much. I'm a New Yorker. At this point, I'm a full-fledged, I've been a New Yorker for years. I think after like 20 years, you become an official New Yorker. I, I, I kind of I kind of think so too. Do you ever miss, like I know you grew up in LA, you went to Beverly Hills High School. Do you ever miss living in LA? No, <laughs> I don't. I never really loved living in LA. I, I, even before I was old enough to say oh LA you know to have that snobbery I just I never really loved LA I the energy there to me is strange um I don't know as soon as I came back east I was just an east coaster like I feel grounded here maybe it's the stone that the city's on I mean LA's okay it's nice to you know walk on the beaches and growing up there it's nice to go out to Joshua Tree or you can go skiing but you know, it's getting harder and harder there with fires and the air quality. And I don't know. It's just never been my town. I get it. I love it. Yeah. I have friends there, but it's never been my town either. Yeah. I know you got into acting at such a young age. Like, was there ever anything else you wanted to do? Like, was it just always acting for you? Or did you ever have? I had an idea I wanted to be a hit lady when I was around 10. I didn't quite understand it, but something about some of it, like I like the spy part and I like the espionage part. I didn't really love, I mean, it was like, oh, killing bad guys. But, you know, I just thought there was something cool about flying around the world and getting rid of bad guys. So I associated that with a hit lady. I don't know why, um, but I didn't pursue that career. Well, here we are, right? Here we are. <laughs> Never too late. Never too late. Like I just picture like you could have been like in all black and like in like knee high boots like that. That could have been a, a moment. I, I do that anyway. Who needs to be a hit lady to wear all black and knee high boots? Exactly. What was it like going to like Beverly Hills High School? Was it like what people envision? Like, was it like a who's who and everyone wanted to go into the business at a young age and it was people's children? Um, you know, I, I didn't grow up in Beverly Hills. I grew up in the Valley. I'm like a, I'm a full-fledged Valley girl, original Valley girl. And, um, when I had to change schools for all sorts of reasons, um, I didn't want to go to Beverly High. I thought, oh my God, that's like the city. Can't we go to Calabasas or the beach? You know, I didn't even understand why anyone would want to live in New York because like there are no trees. Like I was a surfer girl. 
Um, so coming to Beverly, I didn't, I didn't go there until 10th grade. So everyone had already been there and they'd started in ninth. But I have to say, when I got to the school, I, I, it was very different than what I was used to. You know, there were chef salads and pizza and donuts, Winchell's donuts in the, uh, in the cafeteria, which I thought was pretty great. And they had a theater and they had a big theater and they had a swimming pool underneath the basketball court and they had um, a planetarium so I could take astronomy. So as far as a school goes, I was like, whoa, this is intense. I mean, I wasn't used to that. So I really, in a way it was good. I really appreciated what a great school it was. And then, you know, I was just surrounded by much more inspiring people. Um, I think I was getting very depressed in the Valley because my friends weren't really doing anything. And all of a sudden I have some groovy guy playing in the cafeteria going like, you're so good, let's go play in the little theater, we'd bust in and play. And, you know, it was Lenny Kravitz, right? And I'm like, you're really good. Like, oh, you're really good, you know? And I had like people like Tina Landau, my best friend. Like you had a very great group of artistic um, a, a community there, which definitely upped my game. And as far as like, oh, wow, like, you know, let's do cool things. And you're around talented people. So it made me try harder and you know, they had a great theater department and a dance department. I'm all my friends that I used to dance with and do shows. I'm still friends with, you know, now. They're all my best friends. So um, artistically, it was a pretty great school. Could you tell, like, just how talented Lenny Kravitz was even back then? Oh, yeah. I thought it was really... I mean, I remember, like, kind of rocking out in the cafeteria. I would think I was the only one there standing there with him. He was playing in between, you know, his name was Romeo Blue then. I just thought he was so cute and so talented. And we were in the pit course together because we weren't big enough to be on the real stage. We'd be like, we're going to be on the big stage one day. Yeah, we're going to be on the big stage. So yeah, no, I believed in him from day one. He looked exactly the same. He was always gorgeous and always talented and always sweet. Wow. Yeah. And you guys stayed in, I mean, you were in a video of his later in life. Yeah. I've done two videos of Pit for him. Yeah. He called me, said, you have to do this. And I was like, okay, if you do this, you have to do this. He's like, okay. I needed a favor for, <laughs> that's a long story, but um, yeah, he's, you know, like family, really. I haven't seen him for a while, but I love him. I love him. When he's you look, a good guy. He is, I mean, and the music is just unbelievable. When you look back yeah. to like your first film role, I mean, I know it was a small part and Pretty in Pink. Do you have memories of like, you know, John Hughes, Molly Ringwald, John Cry? Do you have memories from that film or does that just seem like another lifetime? Um. It was definitely another lifetime. I, I remember meeting John Hughes and I, you know, I had such a small part because it, things had been cast. And so I was in the, um, I was in the store in one of the scenes I was in this, you know, worked at the store or something. And he thought I really worked there. And so I just kind of went along with it. He kept asking me questions. I'm like, yes, this is where the shirts are. I mean, I don't know. I just kind of went with it. So I think he was surprised when all of a sudden I was one of the actors. <laughs> So that was kind of fun. He thought you actually worked at the store. Yes, I guess my acting was so good as a sales girl. He bought it. Obviously. Uh -huh. Do you have, I mean, you were in so many of like these classic, you know, you were in Face Off and like Cocktail. Do you have like a specific movie that you were a part of? Like where you might've had like a smaller part, which was like just a really memorable experience or just like a really difficult shoot, you know, for like a smaller part, like, wow, this should have been a breeze and this has turned into... Mm, you know, no, I think I have mainly good memories from smaller films. You know, the player, which I made it up as I went along, was is one of my favorite memories. I mean, I got to work with Robert Altman. It was such a gift. He's so incredible. And, you know, it was already cast. And by the time I got there, he's like, what are you doing here? I was just trying to get cast. I was meeting the producer for the next film. or And we just started talking, talking. And I guess he liked me. And he's like, well you know how to improvise, right? I went, yeah. Yeah, I never improvised in my life. I said, sure. He said, great, let's just make it up. And so he said, here for these two weeks, let's just make up your character. I said, really? He said, yeah. And then, so we just got to make it up. And he'd be like, okay, kid, go. And I'd be like, blah, 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 and say whatever. And then by the end, he had written me a, a whole scene. So that was kind of cool. Is um, it as hard to improvise as one thinks? Improvising, that's what I should have been doing the whole time. I love it. It's the most fun. It's so freeing. 
And once I started, you know, with the comedians, everyone always thinks I'm so serious, you know, because I guess I did very serious films. Um, but like, you know, the Gary Shandlings, you know, um, uh, he, you know, when he had me on his show, he's like, improvise. And I did. And, you know, and Curb, you know, all you do, Curb Your Enthusiasm, you improvise. You know, when I work with Dennis Miller, we just go off the page all, you know, it's the, to me, it's the most fun. And also, you know, I, I write as well, you know, so I understand that I've been working with writers, as long as you understand the scene and don't go off, sometimes people just, you know, don't serve the scene. You could still have fun, but within perimeters, I really like that. It's the most fun. It's my favorite thing, for really? sure. Yeah. I mean, it seems like it would be fun. Well, you know, out of all these amazing- I mean, as long as you're doing it with good people. You right. know, it's like tennis or it's like anything. It's like, as long as you're improvising with great people, it's, you're golden. And if you're around people who don't like to improvise or don't do it, it doesn't work. Which I would imagine Curb is like the master class or one of the master classes. Yeah. I mean. You just show up and have fun and you know everyone's so good around you. And then it you just know. turns out brilliant. Yeah, well, it's brilliant. I'll admit it, as important as it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. Discover why critics are calling Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes the best film of the franchise. What a wonderful day! It's a jaw-dropping spectacle that demands to be seen on the biggest screen possible. I need to go. Hang on. It is our time. Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes. Now playing only in theaters. Rated PG-13. Some material may be inappropriate for children under 13. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Do you know Americans spend an average of 90% of their time indoors, which doesn't shock me. I'm inside and sitting in front of this computer doing this podcast all day. But did you know that according to the EPA, indoor air could be two to three times more polluted than outdoor air? And in some cases, it could be a hundred times more polluted. Well, once I heard that, I went down a rabbit hole because you know I like to live a healthy, clean life. And I was like, I need an air purifier ASAP. And after doing research and seeing the air doctor on CNN, Money, and ABC, I was like, this is the perfect air purifier for me. Air doctor filters out dangerous contaminants and allergens so your lungs don't have to. The air doctor 3000 purifier is powerful enough to circulate air in a 630 square foot room four times per hour. And the Air Doctor features whisper jet fans that are 30% quieter than the fans found in ordinary air purifiers. I can't have any background noise while I'm recording the show. Air Doctor comes with a no questions asked 30-day back money guarantee. So if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Head to airdoctorpro.com and use promo code VELVET. And depending upon the model, you'll receive up to 40% off. You're saving up to 40% off. So lock this special offer in by going to AIRDOC C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot com to use promo code VELVET. Well, 
Out of all of these amazing movies you've been in, I have to say one of the highlights of your career for me was your three-episode arc in the amazing Melrose Place. You played a high-end call girl. You had your scenes with Laura Layton. Do you remember being on Melrose Place? Because it really is one of the best TV shows of all time, Gina. I don't remember being on Melrose. I mean, I remember doing it. I don't remember at all what I did. The only thing I remember from Melrose Place was... um, when I was doing, I guess I must have been doing Showgirls because I was going to a lot of strip clubs beforehand. I was going to strip clubs anyway. And I was in, I don't know where I was. I was somewhere. But I'd already done like Red Heat and I had done Cocktail and I'd done like, you know, like maybe the Sinatra miniseries. Like I was starting to do some cool things. And I was in a strip club with some friends. And all of a sudden, one of the strippers, she points at me and she's like, and I think, oh, here it comes. You know, it must have been after Showgirls. No, no, it was not, it was before. But she points at me. She's like, Melrose Place. And everyone turned and looked at me. And I was like, and I was, that's my memory of Melrose Place. I don't remember doing the show, though. Is that terrible? It's not terrible. You worked at Shooters. You had lots of scenes with Laura Layton. You were a high-end call girl. And, you know, there was a lot going on there for you. Great. How often great experience. Does, how often does someone want to talk to you about Melrose Place in an interview? You're the first. <laughs> Listen, it was a classic. You know, you got to just Google yourself and go and watch this three-episode oh, arc. It was classic. Do I have to? Must I? <laughs> I think you're going to be very happy. I'll trust you on this. I'll trust you. Okay. I, if you like it, that's all I care about. Loved it. Well, speaking of showgirls, how did showgirls come about for you? Just I went into audition for it and I auditioned for it for about three months or four months. It was a very long process. And um, yeah, I mean, it was interesting because I remember thinking like once we got to the dancing, I thought I, I can dance. I, you know, I was a dancer. So I'm like, I've got this. But we never did the dance audition to the very, very, very end. So that was kind of frustrating. I'm like, as soon as they see me dance, I'm going to kill this. But then it took a long, he was, he cared much more about the acting, I think. Um, and then by the time we actually did the auditioning, I'd been working with, the, you know, Margarita and dancing for about six weeks already. Although the day of my um, actual audition, when I was finally going to be put on film and I'd made through, you know, he knew he liked me for Crystal. And every time I went in there, you know, you have to understand, I was like lying about my age. I was lying about everything. Cause I didn't think I was old enough to be her. I, I was like somewhere in between. I'm like, wait, am I going to be the know me part? It was like, maybe I'm a little too old, but I'm too young for this. So I lied and said I was 30 something, you know, whatever, <laughs> some old number, but you know, I had to put so much makeup on and put, you know, do so much facade stuff. So it was a big ordeal every time I went in, you know, cause I, I thought, Oh, if he knows what I really look like and at my age, I'm not going to get this part, you know, so I lied through that whole show. Um, but then the day that I uh, did my final audition on tape, I didn't, you know, of course I was late. And I was racing, racing, racing. And I didn't warm up enough. And as soon as I did my first kick, which, you know, my, I've got a pretty high kick, like up to here, I heard this. And I was like, what, did, did you just hear that? And my hamstring had torn. It like ripped. So I didn't warm up and like the little voice inside of me is like, don't keep dancing. You'll screw up your leg. But I also couldn't say, oh, I just hurt myself. because then I would lose the gig. And so I remember just not even thinking, but just like pulling a total, just, you know, I was in a character, just pulling a diva and just saying, you know what? I don't feel like dancing right now. Everyone was like, what? I said, you've seen me dance. I said, Ugh, I just don't want to dance. I'm just not feeling it. And I left. Because I thought I can't dance on my leg and I didn't want to tell them. So that was a big risk. Luckily, it worked. Wow. I walked out fried. I was like, oh, my God. I was so upset. And actually, I saw Elizabeth there and she was so sweet. I'm like, oh, my God, I just hurt my leg. Then I went and I fixed it. I had three weeks and I was going off to do another movie. So I said, oh, I can't dance because I'm going away. It's still okay when you get back. So I remember thinking, okay, I've got three weeks to heal. Maybe three or six weeks. One of those. And so I just worked it, worked it, worked it. And then I went, the rest is history. Well, the rest is history. Could you hear the gasps <laughs> when, when you said, like, I don't feel like dancing and this audition's over? Bye, guys. It, it, there was a silence. 
And I couldn't believe I was saying it, but I was just, you know, I was improvising. I didn't know what to do. I do. I just felt that I couldn't say, oh my God, I hurt myself because I thought that would be over. I'd rather just diva it out and just be like, I just don't feel this right now. And I just left. And also I knew Marguerite had already seen me dance. Like I've been dancing, dancing. This is just the final video for whoever needed to see it. Um, but I, I couldn't do it. So I just kind of, I don't know. Wow. Later, I don't feel like it. I just left. That's It's brilliant. <laughs> I mean, it fits the part. It fit the part. I didn't know what else to do. It just, the, it's the first thing that came into my head. So thank God it worked. Was there like a buzz around this movie, Showgirls, you know, like with Elizabeth Berkeley, or was it just like, here's another movie? Or was there this buzz like, oh, this could be, a, you know, this is going to be a big thing? Oh, I think when it first came out, um, oh, you yeah, know, I think like when they were Joe, casting. Well, Joe Esterhouse and, and, and Paul, you know, they're coming off a of basic instinct and you no, know, so it was a big deal. I think there was a big, big, big buzz around this. Um, and then, you know, they cast kind of two unknowns or, you know, unknownish enough. Um, Cause a lot of people were after my part and I am assuming Elizabeth's as well. Um, but yeah, I think they were thought it was gonna be a big, huge movie. And then I walked on set and I was like, wait, what? <laughs> Oh, I could write a whole book on that. I don't want to have a whole conversation about showgirls. So you could read my book when it comes out. I will read. I will read your book when it comes out, and we <laughs> won't have a whole conversation about showgirls. But just we wonder. Have anything to talk about? We have okay. We have a lot more things to talk about than showgirls. Yes, but I just wanted to ask you, like, you know, when this movie came out, and then it was, you know, so like critically panned which it was and then it went on to video and became the made a gazillion dollars and now it's this cult classic like take me through that like you know what I mean like it came out and everyone's like this is a horrible movie like when you were making it did you think like this is a horrible movie the critics are going to hate this and now it's one of the biggest cult classics ever and it's brilliant and it's beyond withstood the test. Quentin Tarantino came right out and said I love showgirls I, I'll always love Quentin for that because when everyone was like just in like lambasting and like oh this is terrible people secretly were like I kind of like it I'm like so why are you whispering it was my first um real experience in Hollywood that people are just hypocrites and full of shit and they just you know it's trial by mob and it's sadly it still is um because more often than not, people are like saying, we really like it. I'm like, okay, so why do you have to write bad things about it? You know, but that's what you're supposed to do. If, unless you're a brave guy like Quentin saying, what are you talking about? I love this film. Um, I never loved the film myself. So it was, I, I, you know, part of me is like, you don't have to tell me, I know what's wrong with it. Cause I just, in my head, I thought it would be a very different film. I could watch it now and appreciate it. You know, listen, Paul's a very good film. He's a great filmmaker and it's, bold and it's in your face. I, going into it, just thought it was gonna be a very different sort of part. And it, I mean, not part, a different sort of atmosphere and a different sort of film. And so I just changed my way. I was very serious. I was thinking Paul Verhoeven like Dutch films. I was going like Spetter, the Soldier of Orange. I was going dark, European, you know, deep. And when I got to the set, it's like, uh-oh, okay throw that idea away. I got to turn it around and do something else. So um, I wasn't surprised. I, I was, I was surprised how venomous people got, but I also thought, you know, between Joe and Paul, they had a lot of hubris and they went about the marketing and everything all wrong. So I think we got what we deserved and it was stupid. It should have never been an NC-17. It's like cut out eight seconds worth of whateverness and make it an R film. Everyone just took it so seriously. And it was like, why are we taking this so seriously? Let's make it fun and let people enjoy it, you know? So I, I thought of it very differently than, I think I was in a different film. I don't know. I remember at the time, like, oh my God, like what's in NC-17? Like, I've never heard of this in my life. <laughs> I think I think that's the film for me where I learned what NC-17 was. And it was, you know what? And I learned about America and, and their, the code system. And because the truth is that movie should have never been NC-17, right? I mean, 
it was NC-17 because of the nudity. And I kept thinking, this is so strange. You could show someone like, if we cut off her breast, it would be R, but if we show it, it's gonna be NC-17. And I, I think that's fundamentally wrong. Um, especially in America, that's a, a, a certain code. And then, you know, I did another movie bound that they were like, oh, this could be NC-17 because there was a love scene between the two girls. But as soon as they turned it into a hardcore sex scene, it was fine. I thought, oh, hey, so women aren't allowed to make love, but they could have sex. Then that's okay. That could be R. So I thought that was quite sad. And then I finally did an NC-17 movie that I went, Oh yeah, there should be NC-17, you know, when I did Killer Joe, Freakin's film, because it's so violent. Even I'm like this, I'm like hiding at times. And so when that was NC-17, I'm like, yeah, this should be. I mean, I don't think nudity should be NC-17. I think violence should, but look at the world we live in, you know? Now it's like we watch violence on the news every night. So everyone's gotten so used to things. I was- Terrible. I was going to say, I mean, like if Showgirls came out now, it probably wouldn't be NC-17. It'd be PG. Are you kidding? I mean, look at the shows on TV now, you know, it's like it would be maybe G, probably PG, maybe PG-13. I don't even think it would make an R. Seriously. I mean, really, I'm not even being sarcastic. It's true. Seriously. We will move on. This is my last question. Was there another actress that was like almost, you know, Naomi that you know of, or like Crystal, like you said, like a lot of people wanted this part. Like, do you, were you neck and neck with someone like that we know of? Like, oh my God, so-and-so was almost that part. I don't think so. Or, or I wasn't aware of it, you know? Uh, no, I never heard, oh, it's between you and so-and-so. I always heard like big names, like going after it. And I just couldn't think about it. I knew it was my part. I'm just like, just do your job and I'll get this. This is my part. Cause I just wow. kind of, I just, you know, sometimes you have to be in that mindset else you'll drive yourself crazy. Right. Like what big names know. did you hear? Oh, gosh, I don't remember. I, I saw Madonna for some reason, but maybe I'm making that up. I don't know. I think I could be getting movies confused. Interesting. <laughs> Interesting. But no, I, re- I remember people, I think I remember hearing about people. I don't know. You have to look it up. I don't want to do the wrong names. Interesting. Well, you mentioned Bound, which was a brilliant movie. Bound, I love. Bound is a great movie. What was it like? What was that experience like? You know, you and Jennifer Tilly had such chemistry in that. What was it like working with her? easy, fun. We laughed all the time. I love Jennifer. She's one of the few people that I, I remain friends with, you know, and uh, I love her. She's a real, she's a great girl. She's a great gal, as they say. Why was making, why do you love Bound? Like, what was it about that experience? Like, what was so great about that? I mean, it's a great movie, one of my absolute favorites, but. Um, you know, because this is coming right off of Showgirls and everyone was like, we have to get you in a huge movie now. We're gonna make you into this big movie star, blah, blah, blah. And I kept thinking, get me into a movie that I show that I really act like before this movie comes out. Because I, I, I secretly knew what was gonna happen. I'm like, this isn't gonna be what you think, you know? Um, so I was nervous. So I just wanted to show that I was a, a real actress. Um, even though I, you know, I worked really hard in Showgirls, it became apparent, like, if you're not really good in this, you're done. Like this is, you know, I was aware of that part. Um, so when Bound came up and I'm like, oh my God, I get to cut off my hair, cut off my nails, put on like boxer makeup basically, or, you know, uh, and, you know, play the part of the traditional guy, which I hadn't seen written before. Um, I said, oh my God, I get to be the hero. Like all those movies like Monty Cliff or, you know, I mean, all those sorts of guys that I, I we like, um, you know, Robert, uh, oh my God, why can't I, I, I don't think my coffee has kicked in. Listen, I I'm, I'm like on my second cup here. Tech. I, could I, know, like I should, a- was right about to make some more. And I looked at the time, I'm like, oh my God, my brain, I, I went and did hot yoga instead. And I was like working out now I'm like this. And so I'm like trying to drink vitamin water, but I'm definitely, um, anyway. 
now more than ever that I'm traveling back and forth between New York and LA, I have no time to cook or think about food. What I need is meals delivered to my front door, convenience, and I also need healthy. You guys know I've lost a bunch of weight and I'm determined to keep it off. I've tried other meal delivery services and the problem was for me, none of them tasted good. That is until Factor. Factor is America's number one ready to eat meal kit that's delivered right to your front door and makes everything so easy. The meals are fresh, they're never frozen, and they're ready in just two minutes. You just heat and enjoy. And I also love that you could choose it for a variety of lifestyles. I personally choose the calorie smart meals, but they also have keto meals, vegan and veggie meals, and protein plus meals. So whatever your goals are, you can search under that category and get delicious food. And with 34 plus options that are chef prepared, you never get bored and you never feel like you're eating the same thing over and over. So head to factormeals.com slash velvet50 and use code velvet50 to get 50% off your first box. That's code velvet50 at factormeals.com slash velvet50 to get 50% off your first box. Who's my favorite actor? One of my favorite actors. I could picture his face. Anyway, I'll get to him. Anyway, I, I just love the part. And then, you know, I love it. That was newcomer directors. And, and sadly, you know, everyone around me, agents and managers and people are like, you can't do this movie or ruin your career. You can't play a lesbian. And I was like, what? And I, I just thought that was wrong. And so I like that I listened to myself and I did it anyway. I had to, I left my agents because of it, because they're like, we can't represent you. You're ruining your career. I was like, this is a great part. Like, I just didn't get it. I'm like, if this is, we can't play this just because I'm playing a lesbian, that's wrong. Like that's, you're looking at the wrong way. It's like, I happen to love a woman and it's so what? Like, what is the big deal? Um, and so, and they were like newcomers. I'm like, these newcomers, these directors are incredible. Like I could just tell they were incredible directors. So I, I'm just, I was proud that I listened to my gut. I'm proud of all the work that was done on the film. And I'm just, I like the outcome. And I think I get very, um, it's very gratifying. And it makes me feel good when a lot of, especially young girls come up, you know, to me and they, it, the movie helped a lot of people, you know, come out and it, it showed, you know, who they were, but they had to hide themselves in the first time they'd really seen it in a film before. And so I feel, I'm really happy about that. That made me feel good. In all it of your, you know, it was a, it's a great film. It's the sort of film I love, but it's also, it served another purpose, which I thought was really important. Yeah, I mean, well, in all of your management, like you actually left them, like everyone was like, you can't do this. I mean, I'm, I'm a gay man. So I'm, I mean, listen, all, all my girls, when I say that I'm speaking to Gina Gershon, they scream, bound, that's all they, they're like, please. I'm like, I get it. I get it. I'm sure she gets it all the time. Girls come down. But yes, it's, it's, it was a big thing at that time. It really was. But you, you left your manager. Everyone was like, you just can't do it. I didn't, have a, man can't I didn't have a manager then. I had an agency and they were really against it. Wow. They literally said, and I, I, they, they'll deny it. They're not there anymore. Um, they went to somewhere else. And I went, they said, we cannot manage you. Like, we can't represent you. You're ruining your career doing this. And I just was like, okay, well, it's my career. So here's the commission and I'll see you later. And I left. And they were really good at it too. I like them, you know, but I, I just felt fundamentally, um, listen, my whole career has been like that. People telling me, don't do it. You're going to ruin your career. You better not do this. People said that about showgirls, by the way, people were like, I don't know if you should be dancing around naked. I'm like, I'm dancing like in a show, like, in, you know, I've been a modern dancer. Also, I'm like, oh my God, I get to do this really groovy. I'd say most of my parts I've done, people have said you shouldn't do these parts. So I think at this point, I'm kind of used to it. And I just think as an artist, you have to listen to yourself. You know, maybe I would be a bigger star had I done the typical commercial parts that I was supposed to do. But, you know, I don't think I'd, I don't, it's not what I chose to do. It's my life. I, for better or worse, I've chosen what I wanted to do. And I think as an artist, you have to choose, you know, I don't know. No, I think so. Did you? And it's funny that like your management and everyone saying, don't do this. It almost seems like you felt the opposite. Like after Showgirls, you were saying, I better be in some part ASAP that shows I can act because you kind of knew what would happen after Showgirls yeah. came out. So it was almost the opposite. And you were right. Ish. You're yeah. right. I was right. You were. 
I mean, because they came out at the same time. Although I have to say, you know, Showgirls, it, it, Showgirls didn't hurt me. It would have helped me had it been a R and would have been a bigger film. But I was kind of, you know, lucky as far as like review wise. I kind of got decent reviews, you know, for the most part, which was also not great. And it's like, it makes you feel bad if the movie's getting blasted and there's like the only good thing, you know, it sounds like, oh, you would like it, but I didn't. It made me, it just made me not really ever want to read reviews again. You know, if you believe the good, you believe the bad. I, I read them. I'm so, I don't really care what they say. It's nice if they get it, but if they don't, they don't. Everyone's got their opinion. I, all I could do is try to do good work and then I'm done. I barely even watch movies I've done afterwards. So is that that's how listen I get it if you ask me to listen back to this podcast I would tell you there's nothing I would like to do less just FYI yeah I'd like to listen to you I just would like to block out my voice and everything I'm saying but I'll watch you and I'll just stare at you the whole time (laughs) is is that what you do though you just you, you do the work you leave it in the character and now you really just move on and then if it's good bad a huge success not a success it's just kind of like left behind or are you do still peak sometimes at reviews and box office tallies and all this other stuff oh my god I don't even know when it's even going on my family and friends are like why didn't you tell me you were coming out in a movie this week I'm like oh yeah I don't even tell people when I'm, I do my work and then I move on and then I'm like oh yeah I did that movie I get in like trouble. I get lectured a lot saying, you've got to tell people, you've got to like put it out there. And I don't know, I get uncomfortable. I just feel like people want to see it. They want to see it. I'm, I'm no, I'm not a good celebrity that way. I try. And then I feel uncomfortable to be honest. <laughs> I, 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 I love that. What was it like doing these sex scenes with Jennifer Tilly? Great. It's easy. I mean, she's like, oh, put your hand here because I want to hide this. I'm like, yeah, yeah, put your hand here. In a way, it's easier, you know? So you could talk to her just as your buddy, just saying, listen, I don't like this part. I don't think I'd feel comfortable saying that to a guy for some reason. Um, We just laughed our heads off. Jennifer and I had a really good time. She's a great girl. And does it ever get old? I mean, because you are like, you know, you because of this part and showgirls and a lot, you know, you are a gay icon, you know, you are, you've, does that ever get old when, you know, you hear from like women and boys like myself that are like, yeah. Never. I love it. It's fun. <laughs> I'll never get tired of that. No, it's right? nice. It's a big compliment. Yeah. Listen, it's, it's better than the opposite of the, than the boys and the girls hating me, you know? No, I feel, I feel like um, they're my peeps. You are. We are your peeps. Yeah. Was, was there any part that you ever got like really close to that you really wanted that, you know, now we look at like, oh, that's, you know, Julia Roberts and Pretty Woman or, you know, like something that like we know where it was like almost yours or something that you really wanted? The only part I think I ever really wanted, I was just kind of disappointed was Matrix because I thought I was going to be doing that. Um and then for all sorts of reasons, I didn't do it. So, and I was just kind of sad because I wanted to work with the Wachowskis some more. But, you know, there's a reason for everything. You were going to be the Carrie Ann Moss, like the, that role? Trippy, yeah. Wow. I thought, but, you know, obviously they gave it to her. But I was sad at the time about that. Well, another, I know... Sometimes we talk about Lenny Kravitz. There's another musical genius that we've had grace our presence, Prince. Talk to me about this, that you, is this true? You're at NYU and Prince wants to meet with you and flies you to Minneapolis? It's true. Want to meet me, flew me to Minneapolis. I had a fun night singing and dancing and hanging out. And then I said, I didn't really want to do the movie because there was nudity in it. I was like, oh, I don't want this to be my first movie. All sorts of reasons. And I had a show. I, I don't know what I was thinking, but I just didn't want to do it. Which what is kind was, of, listen, where's Apollonia now? I don't know. I remember listening to the songs going, I don't really love these songs. I love Purple Rain. I was like, oh my God, this is a genius. But I didn't think that was going to be, I didn't want that to be my first part in the film for some reason. I just, I don't know. I instinctively thought this isn't the right move. Well, what is it like when you're at NYU? You were an undergrad at this time and like someone calls you or gets in touch with you and says, Prince wants to meet with you. I mean, that must be somewhat surreal, no? 
Well, I was, I had been Jill Jones who was singing with him when we were in high school and I didn't know who he was. I was like, oh, I'm seeing this person. She goes, oh, I'm hanging out with Prince. I'm singing and I'm like, what Prince? You know, so it was early on. So Jill, she was the one who called. I guess she told him about me because he was looking for someone who could sing and dance and act. And she's like, I told Prince about you. He really, really, really wants to meet you. You need to come out here. I think you're perfect for this movie. Um, and so it was, it wasn't, it was more like, oh my God, I've got a show tonight and I've got a show tomorrow night and I've got class. I was such like a good student. I was such a nerd, but I was doing a play. And so I jumped off from off the stage and I changed my clothes. I got on the plane, got my other outfit, had my night. And then I had to come back and do another play the other night, the next night. And he's like, why don't you just hang out? I'm like, I've got a show. He's like, why don't you get an understudy? I'm like, it's NYU. I don't have an understudy. I didn't want to let everyone down. I'm like, no, I like, I'm the lead in this show. I can't not show up, you know? He was Prince, annoying. And yeah. Prince was just like, just find someone. You're here. Yeah, I think he was looking at me like, do you understand what I'm offering you here? And I was like, no, I have to go back to school. I mean, what was I thinking? Really, in retrospect, I wish I had at least hung out a couple of days and like sang. And I mean, you know, Prince is... You know, he's a genius. He's a genius. Um, but I had a show to do, and I didn't want to let everyone down. I, was, I thought I was being professional. You were such a good student. I was such a good student. What was it like to hang out with Prince just for, like, one night? Super fun. He was shy at first, but then once we started, like, you know, talking and singing, I was just like, blah, 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 blah. He just, once we started laughing, it was all good. Um it was fun. Danced around, played piano and sang. I mean, it was a blast. I, I wish I could have another night like that with him. I mean, Prince is Prince, you know, he was incredible. But you made it back to NYU for your show. Yep. He had to drive me. He was mad. I'm like, you have to drive me right now so I can make my flight. <laughs> you could read all about it. I have a whole chapter on that. When is, what is, when is your, how is your book going? What's, uh, tell us about your book. <laughs> I have to write it first. No, I've written like seven chapters. It keeps changing forms. Um, but there's definitely the Prince chapter in it. Because, you know, I think half these stories are people, because people want to hear me tell these stories all the time. And I'm like, you know what? I'm going to just like write them down so I don't have to talk about them so much. Or before I forget, you know, because I do, I do have a lot of stories. It's true. Um, I'm in the process of it. I write and then I stop. I'm like, oh, who cares about this? And my friends are like, we care. You need to write this. I'm like, uh, and I try to write something else. And then I go back to it. I'm taking my time. Unless I have a deadline, I don't rush anything. So I know I need to get on it. I'm, I'm being lectured about it every day. Stop lecturing me. I know I need to write it. You're like, who cares about this? And then you tell it to someone like me and you're like, oh my God. And like, were, I'm, were, I'm, were I'm, you wearing purple? And was Princess Car? I mean, I've, I've been to Paisley Park and, and it's, inside it's great I mean he picked me up in a purple limousine and his house was purple on the outside but inside it wasn't purple yeah that house that back then at that time so you've been you've been to that house not to that house I've been to like the new like Paisley Park inside now you could do tours and it's but I remember that purple house back from that time that was his house that was his personal house but like to your point where is Apollonia now but we still love Apollonia she was, are, she was supposed to be her. Are you the type that, you know, get starstruck? Like you've been in the business forever. You live in New York. You know, do you get starstruck ever? No, the only time I think I've ever gotten starstruck when I was still in college was the first time, probably the second time, but I was cooler then when I met David Bowie. My knees literally went weak. I, I was like, uh, like, I, I think that's the only time I ever got starstruck. That's a good one. David Bowie, you know, I wasn't expecting him either. He turned around and I was like, oh my God, he was so nice. I was trying to like be in a video that he was doing, but no one was at the house. I remember knocking on the house. And when I went back, he turned around, it was him. I'm like, he was so kind and so sweet. And I tried to be cool, but like literally nothing came out of my voice. It was one of those moments, you know, it's also like 17 or 18, that's yeah. a good one. Yeah, it was good. Even like Black Star, which was his last, like the last album was so good. Listen, he's, 
he's one of the great artists of art of all time on on every level you know just his music his art his whole vibe how he constantly changed he never stayed in the same you know way um he kept evolving and just following his own muses and i don't know i just think he's one of the coolest artists of all times i really I mean, every, any day I'm like waiting for like something else to drop, which I wouldn't even, it wouldn't even shock me. It's like, oh, David from beyond has like written a song about what's going on right now. I'd be like, great. Been waiting to hear it. Yeah. I can only imagine what his take on it would be. This world that we live in. Is there, I mean, you've done a lot of theater. Is theater something you want to do more of? I mean, you live in New York. Of course. Of course. And now, you know, listen, we, we need to talk about the movie I'm in right now, Rifkin's Festival, the Woody Allen film. I don't know if you're shying away from talking about that, but I'm really proud of it. No, that was the next thing I was going to bring up. Oh, okay. Yeah, I'm really proud of that. I think the first time maybe I met Woody a long time ago, I think I might have been a little starstruck because I wanted to work with him so badly. But I was a little bit like trying to kind of be cool, you know? And I wasn't cool. I, I, was anxious and I ended up eating the food off of his plate, which is insane. And all of a sudden I realized what I was doing. I'm like, oh my God. And he's like, it's okay. It's fine. He was very nice. Wait, okay. So like he calls you, let's let's meet, you know, I think I want you in this movie. You guys go out to like dinner or lunch. No, no. Oh. Are you kidding me? No. No, no. I've always wanted to be in a Woody Allen film. Always. You know, as an actor, that's like especially a New York actor, you're like, that's like one of the bucket lists. You're like, oh my God, I just want to be in a Woody Allen film. And so I was always, anyone who worked with him or, you know, whatever, I was always like, you should tell him I really would be good in his film. I just knew instinctively that it would be really, uh, we'd be a good fit. Um, And my neighbor, when I lived in LA still, I still had a place there. I can't remember how many years ago. Uh, I don't know. 15 years ago? I'm terrible with time. But over 10 years ago. 15, 10 years ago. I don't know. Um, What's when I had a... Anyway. And so I was hiking. And then my friend, who was his agent, he was like, all of a sudden there was cars everywhere. He's like, what are you doing? He's like, you should change. And, you know, I'm having a party. You should come over. You know, there's lots of directors and people like that. And I was so hungry. I'm like, do you have food? And he's like, yes. I said, great. So I changed quickly. I was starving. I was like, and I'm one of those people when I get hungry, if I don't eat, I just, I'm going to fall down. And so I walked into the house and I was like, oh my God, everyone, so many people were there. Right. I was like, ding, ding. I'm like, oh my God, I got to get food. Then all of a sudden, of course, I see Woody. And I said to John, who's his agent, I said, you have to introduce me to him. Like, why aren't I in his film? Like, you need to make this happen. Anyway, he introduced us and Woody had a plate of food. And I remember just talking to him, trying to be normal. And without realizing it, I guess I just started eating the food off of his plate that he was holding. But I didn't, you know, I didn't realize what I was doing. And as soon as I'm putting a carrot, I I was like, oh, my God, I'm so sorry. I'm I was mortified. I was like, oh, my God. And he's like, oh, no, no, please. Here, here, have some food. Couldn't have been nicer. And then no, years later, then two years ago, whenever it was, when he was looking for, you know, he was casting this, I was a small part and he, I, I got a note, my, our mutual friend said, listen, he's, I think he's embarrassed to ask you if you wanted this part because it's so small. I said, no, I'll do it. I said, I'll do it. I'll end up being the lead. I know it. And my manager's like, you're going to go up there and meet him for like this teeny thing. I'm like, yep. And I went, I talked, talked, talked. Everyone says, don't talk to Woody because he's, he's a very shy guy. He's very polite, and very shy. And it's his, you know, classic meetings of two minutes. Basically, he looks to make sure you don't look insane, I guess. And he says, do you have any questions? Okay, thank you. I'll see you there. And then I just started talking, 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 talking. I got him to start laughing. I was talking about some movie and I left. And then the next thing I know, they called up. And then next thing I know, they said he wants you to be the lead. I said, yeah, great. And my manager at the time was like, how did you know that? I said, I just knew. I just, you know, sometimes you have to go by your gut. So that's how that happened. And it was great. I loved working with him. What was it? What, what can people expect from this movie, Rivkin's Festival? People who aren't you aware. Know, it's, 
it's cute. It's very sweet and it's very Woody Allen-esque, you know, um, there's some classic moments of his films that you're like, oh, wait, I, I know this sort of moment. I know this sort of moment, which I mean, to me, when I was reading the script, I was so happy to be, I was like, oh my God. It was like, to me, when I did Face Off, like John Woo, when I had, I was in the John Woo moment, like with the face up with the guns, there was moments like that. And here I'm like, oh my God, this is like a classic Woody Allen moment that I get to do. So I was very excited. It's a sweet film. I like it. Well, you know, Woody likes to work with a lot of the same actors and actresses over and over. So maybe this is the start of a beautiful. I hope so. I hope people let him make movies here in America. It's all so sad to me, but. We'll see. I would love, I would work with him again in a second. It was a very, very, very pleasant experience. I mean, it was great. you did. I mean, did you get a lot of that like type of pushback? Cause you know, listen, this crazy world we live in, I'm the type, like I personally separate business and whatever. Like, did you get a lot of like, oh my God, how can you be in a Woody Allen movie? No, it, you know, it, it was, it was the same thing as, not, not the same, that's a dumb analogy. But as I was telling you before with the showgirls, when people were like, I, I really, like this movie I'm like well why don't you just say it I swear to god that's say about 85 maybe even 90 percent of the people were like we think he's innocent it's really terrible what's happening I'm like yeah well so then why don't you just say it you know everyone's so it's a scary time we're living in and it's it to me it's just I mean on so many levels but I just think it's a shame that people can't like I mean, I'm not even allowed to talk about it because everyone's like, be careful, you're going to get canceled for saying the wrong thing. And it's like, wait, where are we living? You know, I mean, look, at we're fighting these poor people in Ukraine and, and fighting against just fighting for their freedom. And I'm telling you, if we're not careful, that's where we're headed, you know, on so many levels and too many people. It's just it's a shame that we can't. That's, you know, we have a trial by mob. Uh, situation here and there's a lot of people who should be working who aren't there's definitely a lot of people who've gotten what that's coming to them you know and guess what that's what supposedly the legal system's for you go but I don't know it just seems to me if you've gotten a case thrown out of court a couple times and who's the you know just because page six or a couple people say oh you're guilty or like get rid of this person you know what I just think it's terrible I, I really do I was going to say people love a mob mentality. That's kind of what it's come. I agree with you. And I think it's really dangerous where we're headed that it can't. Very dangerous. I just feel like, you know what? Listen, I think everyone's entitled to their opinion, you know? But, and if you don't want to watch a certain movie because an actor is in it, or you don't want to listen to some music because you think that person's a bad person, don't buy the album. Don't listen to the music. Don't go to the art show. Don't see the movie. Right. Just make that decision say, oh, I don't I don't like that person's politics, so I'm not going to watch or whatever. I don't there's something about that person I don't like. I don't want to support them as an actor or as an artist. Fine. You know, um, I, agree. I, I you know, I'm like, do I separate a lot of that stuff? Um, but I just think it's, it's we're living in a very weird time. I understand why it's had to go this way. You know, there's been a lot that's wrong. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, it's good that a lot of things are hopefully balancing out, but we've gone way too far. And I just think it's, I think it's a shame. The mob mentality thing has to go because most of those people are hypocrites and they're all staying behind their hand. I think he's innocent. I think, she, you know, she didn't do this or whatever. I just wish people would speak up their own truth and stand by it. hundred percent. Instead of getting canceled, you know? or whatever the cancel thing is just ridiculous i'm not a fan of it and then people slip into your dms from anonymous accounts and they're like i really love that guest of yours david i'm like i say the same thing you say i say why don't you make a public comment like you know like you're just you're afraid we'll wrap up very quickly but we can't wrap up without talking about donatella versace and this amazing performance gina i mean come on this is like what was that like did you work with Donatella to create, like, was she involved? I've never, like, I've never met Donatella. I've never met her. I can't believe it. I've never met her. Wow. Um, I mean, what that just was, there was like. Enough, there was enough videos and there was enough. I knew a lot of people who know her. And I talked to a lot of people. Um, listen, I have so much respect for her and what she's gone through. And she's a really, 
pretty impressive woman to me. Um, was it fun playing her? I mean, we took a very specific moment of her life that was the most pleasant moments of her life. So, um, yeah, it, I, I wouldn't say it was fun to play her. I, 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 there was a lot of pain that, you know, that I think she went through and with the loss of her brother and all of that. She hasn't had it easy at moments. And then, so it, it was, like I said, it was, some of it was like, it was, the idea of it was fun, but it was tough. She was tough to play. It was so spot on. Did you ever, like, did she ever, I mean, this might be out there. Did she ever comment? She never reached out to you, sent a message through her reps? Like, mm-hmm. I heard through a couple people who were very close to her that, uh, gosh, that I kept saying, did she see it? But those people who knew her well, they were like, oh my God, it was spot on. I never heard anything from her directly. So I don't know if she watched it or not, you know, um, but certain people who I really respected um, were quite close. They they gave me the thumbs up. So I was I was happy about that. You know, it's hard when you're playing someone who's still living and you're just trying to get their story across, you know. Um, it's, it's too easy to just do a caricature of someone. She's like a living, breathing, really impressive, intense woman who's been through a lot. So I, I, I just wanted to really respect that and honor it. And I don't know, try to do the best job I could. It, it was so spot on. Like, it was just like, oh my God, like, what, what am I watching here? <laughs> Thank you. Two quick things before we go. Riverdale, love you in Riverdale. Jughead's mom, shout out. And just <laughs> with all this, you know, these reboots that are happening these days, if they were ever going to reboot Showgirls, could you see like, and like, I, listen, there's oh crazy. Oh God, I hope they don't ever do that. I don't think they could do that. You don't think so? Why would, why would they want to do that? I don't know. When, when you look at the things that are talked about in reboots, I see showgirls coming up a lot. I don't, really? I, I don't know how it would be done. I was going to ask you if there are any actresses like, you know, of that, that you could see playing Crystal. I just don't think it would work. You don't. I think part of showgirls that makes it so fun is that it was so wrong at the moment. And, you know, Paul really it was just technicolor, you know? I mean, the way he directed it, pushed it to the edge and made it kind of ridiculous and fun and in your face. Um, So I think it wasn't just this, it certainly just wasn't the script. It was, you know, the way it was done and the time that it came out and how it came out. I think it was a kind of a perfect storm of, whatever you want to call it that made people a little obsessed with it you don't think it could ever be remade I mean everything could be remade but why remake it and that story doesn't really work anymore you know in a way I think it's kind of an old-fashioned story um first of all you, you you know I don't know. I mean, I don't know how it is in Vegas. I don't know if they've gotten all woke too. So a lot of that stuff, a lot of the humor wouldn't be able to be told, you know, wouldn't be able to be, people would be all offended. Um, like in the old days, it was supposed to be offensive and you're just like, that's offensive. And, and today it's like, oh no, let's kill all those people. <laughs> let's cancel all those people. You know, I don't think it would work. I don't think, I don't know. I, I I think it'd be a bad idea, but hey, if people want to do it, I mean, I love all the spoofs and stuff. And when people make fun of it, I think those, that's been kind of fun to watch, but to make a serious whole film of it, like showgirls to redo it. I don't know why, but that's me. Listen, I say that about most remakes. I'm like, wait, why are they doing this again? That's true. Yeah, unless it was a really horrible movie that no one's ever seen. I'm like, why don't we do remake that and like do a good job with it? But, you know, who am I? I'm just a mere actor in it. I wasn't in charge. Listen, you're Gina Gershon, gay icon, (laughs) actress extraordinaire, now in a Woody Allen film, Rifkin's Festival. So I think you have a right to have a strong opinion. And I love it. Yeah. Where? Yes, I do. I love it. Um, where can everyone My find you? My opinion is it shouldn't be remade. 
<laughs> that's my strong opinion. I, I love it. I mean, I, I get it. I think it's, it's, it's like you said, the dialogue, I don't see how the dialogue would necessarily hold up myself in today's day and age. The dialogue barely held up then. Now you'd be like making a joke on a joke. You know, like when you make a joke on a joke, it just doesn't work. I mean, to me, you had to play the joke super straight. And although I don't think anyone else thought it was a joke. I kept going, I'm, this is a serious lineup. Puppy chat. Everyone was like, yes. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, I'll get some fans off of this one. I mean, because it was so ridiculous to me. But you can't play it ridiculous, you know. And I think the fun of it is that it is so ridiculous. So then how do you play on top of the ridiculousness? You know what I mean? Yeah. Unless you made it really serious. Unless they did the version that I saw in my head originally. I'd be like, oh, I'd like to see that still. But it just, it's too, it's too, we're past that moment in history. Yeah. I, I would have to have so. a whole bunch of different characters. You know, everyone would have to be all woke. You'd have to have, I mean, you'd have to have a lot more characters added on for it to get made. And listen, you personally are too busy in Rifkin's Festival anyway. So, you know, where... I'm busy other things. I don't know what. Writing... That was also a really amazing movie, but it's not going to come out for a long time with Kate Blanchett, Borderlands, which is going to be really fun, but it's still a ways away. But that's going to be a very cool film. I'm excited about that one. Kate Blanchett is phenomenal, yeah. Love. Love, well, love. you'll just have to come back on when that comes out. Where, yeah. where can everyone find you who wants to see this movie and follow you online who doesn't already follow you? Um, well, they could, I'm, not, I'm a terrible Facebook person. In fact, I don't even think that is me on Facebook. It's like a, it's a fan thing because I just don't do it. But then someone stole your name. So if anyone sees it. me on Facebook, it's not me talking. Um, I'm terrible at Twitter. I have a Twitter account, but I rarely, I just kind of repost. I have an Instagram account. I do. I have that. Um, that's the best one for me too. That's what I do. That's me. That's, you know, I feel like, uh, yeah, that's just my name. Or is the Gina Gershon or the real Gina Gershon? It's, I can't remember which one it is. I'll share it with everyone here, but go share to Instagram. With, Don't go yeah, to Twitter. My, Don't go to Facebook. I mean, Facebook, definitely not Twitter. You know, I'm, I'm not so good on Twitter. I, I repost every now and then because I, I remember. I wish I was better on it, but there's only so much you could do. Like, I, you know, you just spend so much time and, you know, listen, all I do on Instagram now is post stuff about Ukraine. And someone the other day says, you're going to start losing all your followers. I'm like, you know what? I don't care. Like, I don't, I don't play the game good. And I'm supposed to do just me and stuff. And I've just been posting what's important to me just to get the information out, which I think is really important, especially in this war to get this information out. And especially when people who are dying and they're in these, putting themselves out there saying, please put this out on your Instagram because you know we're their voice out here. Yeah. So I think it's really important, at least Social media, I find, can be quite destructive, but I think in this case, it's been quite, it's like being used in the right way. So I think we need to use it and support these people, you know, and democracy and ourselves and the world any way we can. It's frustrating, so you do what you can. And it's your Instagram page, so you should be able to do what you authentically want to there, right? I know, but you know what? Instagram is, you know, I think there's a lot of young followers. I think I got a lot of followers from Riverdale because that's the wheelhouse. And I, I notice when I get too political, I start losing people. But if I do a picture of me or my cat or, you know, things that I like to do, but I just haven't been lately, I, I noticed a change. So, you know, maybe Instagram really is about advertising and about promoting yourself. Something that I am not so good at and I have to get better at. You know, people are like, look at your Instagram. There's not enough pictures of you. I'm like, it's boring. I know what I look like, but and, I'll try. And you see when you make an appearance on Riverdale, they're like, this whole generation says, Jughead's mom. Woo. And then your Instagram oh, yeah. followers goes up. Oh my God. Yeah, but I haven't been on, I haven't been on Riverdale for a while now. I keep going, am I coming back? Oh yeah. I mean, you never know. It's such a crazy show. You never know. It's like, it doesn't even matter if you die or 
do something crazy, they always bring people back. I'm sure I'll come back at some point. There's, there's a really great group of people. I would love to see all of them. You know, they're really, it's a very sweet group of people. And Cole Sprouse is great, so. I know, my son, my fake son is so cute. I love Cole. Kind of. <laughs> He's my little baby. Cole's my little baby. We like him. Um, yeah. Well, everyone will follow you. This movie, everyone needs to see. It's Woody Allen. So really, it's like phenomenal. But I appreciate you taking your time. Thanks for going down. The next time you're here, we don't need to talk about anything from the past. We talk <laughs> just about everything from the future. Thank you for indulging me with certain topics. I know. As soon as you do, I'm like, okay, well, I know I do have like three other things to talk about, but it's okay. Next time. You could talk about them all right now. I could tell tell you needed to get, no, I actually have to go because I have an appointment that started about six minutes ago. As long as you, uh, you could, you know, I I hope I didn't (laughs) derail you from talking about other things. So, and anytime you want to come back. It's all good. I'm in a very floaty mode today and I am just, I was just here to have a lovely chat. Okay. I really appreciate this for real. Thank you. Come back anytime. Thank you. Thank you. Be safe. You too. Bye. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind the Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. Or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.